In the world of recruiting, some people have seen it all. They build recruiting teams from the ground up, hired hundreds of people in the best companies in the world, develop their expertise year after year. I'm Robin Choi, and I'm on a mission to collect their learnings. These are their stories. Hello, everybody. I'm today with Vanessa Rath, who is a global talent sourcing trainer based out of uh, South Africa. And today we'll be talking about generative AI applied to sourcing. Vanessa, you were kind enough to share one list of prompts that you use in your in your training. So thanks a lot for joining me today on iPlayers. Very, very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me here, Robin. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've listened to several episodes, try and catch as many as possible. I really loved your um, show last week on LinkedIn, also about AR. I thought that was fascinating. So yeah, it's an honor to be a guest. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> My pleasure. And yeah, uh, generative AI. If you if you follow me on LinkedIn or on on the podcast, you know that it's a big topic of mine recently, and of everybody working on on recruiting, obviously, and training recruiters and sourcers. Today, Vanessa will be going through your list of prompts again that you use and your training, and we'll be sharing this list as well. So this will be very dense. We'll try to cover everything in under 30 minutes as usual. How do you want to get started? What's the um, high-level view on generative AI applied to sourcing according to you? Very interesting question. So let me just expand a little bit about my journey with generative AI. So in January and February, when it was buzzwords and everyone was talking about it, I had my head down and I was building an online academy. And you know, those of us with ADHD didn't want to get distracted by the new shiny object. So I was actually late to the party. And what that resulted in is me having to pay catch up really quickly, um, which I did. And then it resulted in me putting together an AR workshop, which I, I've already run about 10 of them, still got another 10 booked and really, really love the space. For, because for me, I'm not nervous about it. I don't think it's going to take my job, but I really think it's going to assist us sources and recruiters in order to bring back the human to this industry. And that's kind of like the angle that I'm taking with my workshop is let's use AI to help us get rid of all those boring admin tasks. So if you've got the list in front of you, we may as well actually just start at the top because it's the most, it's following like the recruiting process. Why don't we do that? Yes, perfect. Let's do it. Let's start. So that would be the research and competitor analysis, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So so that's something that I always encourage and find not a lot of recruiters and sources uh, you know, give this a lot of time. But I've been using ChatGPT or any other, other generative AR tools to ask questions like, who would employ such an individual? Where would an individual like this study? Where would they get that degree? Another good one is which companies use this tech stack. So if I'm looking for Salesforce developers, who are the companies in whichever city in the world that use Salesforce? So for me, what I find is from a research competitor analysis perspective, it actually saves a lot of time because you can get a lot of that information. One of the big problems with generative AI is hallucinations. That's something that we discuss a lot. It's when it's basically making up information. So you just yeah. ask a list of companies that use Salesforce. The AI will reply with a list of 20 companies out of which only five might use Salesforce. Yeah. How do you do this? Because there are ways to avoid the hallucinations or to get interesting results without even going through that process of just asking a list. So how would you um, recommend avoiding hallucinations? So this boils down to your prompts. And that's one thing that I've learned throughout my journey with AI is that, you know, the better the prompt, the better the set of results. It's the same analogy as all recruiters hear from their managers. If you don't put all the data and all the information into a CRM or an ATS system, you're going to get rubbish at the other end. 
And that's exactly what happens when you try and ask a very simplified question into a generative AR tool. So, you know, the way that I look at that is you've got two issues here. First of all, it will have the hallucinations. And second of all, the data, you know, are you going back to pre-2021? So let's tackle the second one first. I've been using a lot of plugins on ChatGPT4, and the plugins actually help to bring the information up to date. So when I'm asking specific questions like this, where there is probably a lot of room for hallucinations, is I'll rather go to ChatGPT4. I've paid for it. It's not hugely expensive. I think it's 20 US dollars a month. And the plugins do help to get more accurate information. And I think that the one thing we need to understand about generative AI in any sense, whatever we're asking it to do, is that we cannot always believe that that is the truth. You know, we do need to still have that curiosity and that researcher mindset of, let's just go and check and see that this is all right, which is a lot quicker to go and check that, uh, you know, what the results are than the companies were as opposed to starting from scratch. So, yeah, I hope that answered your question. It's also good practice to ask to include the, the sources, even though they can make up the sources as well. It's true, but that's why I actually would also go and use something like Bard, which does give you the resources, or Bing Chat, or you know, you.com. I actually feel it a little bit safer when you do get the references attached, or even on Bard, you get the option to go and Google it, because then you can, you're in the same chain and you can Google and, and get a nice set of results. Yeah, true. So to use Bard, you need to, to set this up on your company account level. So you need to get access still, I think was the case about two weeks ago. And there is Bing AI as well, and you basically need to download the um, the Microsoft browser. Don't remember the name anymore. The Edge, Microsoft Edge. Exactly. You need to yes. download the. Uh, okay, and you can do this. I'll just go on a very short tangent here because I had a very similar use case yesterday, where I had a debate on LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> my pups. Love those. Um, <laughs> where I basically said that I didn't expect that recruiters will be replaced by AI in the sense that. There won't be fewer recruiters, yeah. but there will be more recruiters just empowered by AI. Uh, many reasons for this. And my thesis was LinkedIn is, was a big productivity enhancer for recruiters. Uh, 20 years ago, you had to go through, I don't know, uh, uh, classified ads on, on newspapers. Now you have LinkedIn, you can find everybody. Yeah, so I was curious to look at the number of recruiters over time in the US and see how that number grew over time. And that's I searched for the information online. I went to the website of the US Bureau of Labor, couldn't find that information. And ChatGPT was actually super useful here. But what I did do was uh, I didn't ask for the information right away, but I asked it for where I could find that information. Yeah. Uh, so I said, okay, I'm looking for that data. I'd like to know the number of recruiters in the US in 2000, 2010, and, 20, and today, 2023. Yeah. Uh, where can I get that information? And it was super helpful in pointing me to the right direction, to the right page. And that was on the on the U.S. Bureau of Labor website, but I didn't find it researching myself or on Google. So that's also a good way to use the generative AI to search for information. So maybe not ask a list of companies that use Salesforce, but how would you go about finding a list of companies that use Salesforce and then redirect you to the right thing? And it was super impressive and interesting to see that, that the number of, of recruiters, I think, doubled since LinkedIn's creation date. Yeah. And then isn't it so funny? Because, I mean, if we look back in history, recruiters were always going to be replaced by LinkedIn. And then we were going to be replaced by job boards. And now AR is going to replace us. And I just I just can't see it happening, to be honest, because yeah. you always need a human being to actually just verify what a generative AR tool, what is done. And it's similar to your point over there is that I've actually noticed on Bing Chat, it's not going to write a blog for you and it's not going to write an article anymore. 
So you can go there and say, write an article about why recruiters should be embracing AI. And it says, um, unfortunately, I can't do that. But if you were to type in a different prompt and say, I am about to write a blog about why recruiters should embrace AI, uh, what subheadings do you think I should use? It actually comes back and it gives you the structure of the blog as opposed to doing it for you, which is never used to happen, you know, going back a month or two. So it's very interesting that it's it, it's almost not as helpful because now it's learning that it maybe shouldn't be giving away so much. Yeah, and while it's sure that generative AI will be a big, big productivity enhancer for recruiters, also because it's competitive by essence, you can only hire, one person will be hired by one company. So two recruiters fighting with each other, even if both are more productive, you'll still need two people fighting with uh, with each other. And your use case, so this use case of company research, competitor analysis is very interesting because very few recruiters do this for now, but making those productivity gains with generative AI allows for recruiters to go into different spectrums of the recruiting process, including more preparation to be more prepared against your competitors. I've also used it for things like, you know, not only which companies are using which tech stack, but say, for example, I, I also run diversity and inclusion workshops with Budash and finding companies that were ahead of the journey when it comes to their diversity policies and strategies, because, you know, that's those are the companies that you want to be looking at as your fishing ponds. So it's just, as I say, it's super interesting. I don't always take the results. I mean, I, I was asking Bart something about myself and I told everyone that I'd written a book which um, is completely not true. So, um, you know, you've got to really read very carefully and double check and maybe ask on a couple of different, you know, generative AR platforms, which isn't great. But to be honest with you, Robin, I think that that's going to improve. Mm, Yeah, sure. Yeah, as it learns. And I'll give you an example when we talk about something else on my prompts. All right. (laughs) So after the early preparation, competitor analysis, market research, then you go into writing the role or job description. Uh, you have a, a few prompts on this as well. So yeah, so it, it's kind of just like a, a lot of recruiters, their bugbear is that, you know, I've been given this role. All I've been given is the title and the location. I don't have a job spec. I'm waiting on HR and I've got candidates who want to see the role description. So you can, you know, generate quite a generic one. And again, this comes down to your prompts. You've got to put in things that you've been told, you know, the non-negotiables. So you know, they need which qualifications, they need how many years experience, they need to come from which industry, because else it's going to be far too generic. So I think that that's good. And when I do start, you know, a new chat and you have a thread or a theme, I sometimes start with that step, even if I have the role description. I literally copy and paste the role description and I put it in and I say, use this role description to generate interview questions or help me to write an advert or those kind of things, because it just helps to give context to to the whole discussion. One of your prompts that I really like is explain this job to me like I'm 16 years old, and then you explain the job. Can you tell us a bit more about this? So that's my favorite, because even when I say, you know, on some roles, like an actuarial um, analyst, or I had a mechatronic engineer the other day, you know, what, what are these people? Why would you hire them? What do they do? And And, and you can ask these questions and no one speaks like ChatGPT, let's face it. You know, so, so it comes back with a whole lot of jargon. It's verbose. There's, there's so much information there. And I just said, no, 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 we've got to make this better. So I said, explain this to me like I'm 15 years old. And literally, those are the best kind of descriptions. Because if you even go younger and you say, explain this to me like I'm 10 years old, 
I actually got a whole description using Minecraft. And I was like, imagine you're building a Minecraft uh, town and, you know, you, you need someone to oversee the building. And, and this is all about the engineer that I was looking for. So for me, it's, it's just a different ways that you can use it. And, and that, I don't know, it just, you've got to understand these roles so holistically before you go and start recruiting. And that's a great way for me to start. Yeah, and again, it's, it's back to AI allows you to do things that you wouldn't do otherwise. Lots of people would just go into, uh, okay, let's hire that mechatronical yeah. engineer, I don't yeah. know, whatever, what was the name, yeah. without really understanding what the person does. Yeah, absolutely. Another one to do, you can go and do this after this, is take your LinkedIn about section, Robin, and I copy and paste it, put it into an AR tool and ask it to write this as a love song in the style of Celine Dion. And I will even give you verses and it's, it's hysterical. It's really good. My other favorite is also rewrite this in the style of a rap for um, my daughter, my 10 year old daughter, um, as written by Snoop Dogg. You know? <laughs> so there's lots of different things that you can do with it. Just first for laughs. I was, uh, I saw, I think it was yesterday, the job description for a social media marketing manager at McDonald's. Yes. Uh, and it was one of the funniest job desk I've ever seen. It was really funny with lots of references on the uh, McDonald's pop culture. Okay, yeah. Old menus and stuff. And it was really good. And this is exactly the type of... I'll try and find it and put it in the description if I can find it. That's exactly... You could copy and paste that job and say, okay, use this job as a template to create a job description for the me- mechatronical engineer or again, whatever that was. Yeah, 100%. And again, back to the human using different blocks and assembling the blocks using the AI and not AI doing the work and replacing the human. Yeah, exactly. All right. You mentioned interview questions. Interview questions are a tricky one because it's very hard even for humans to generate good interview questions. It's very hard to know what is a good interview question. So now we we know that structured interviews are are the way to go and you should look at behavioral questions and stuff. How do you get ChatGPT to generate unbiased and accurate and useful interview questions? So two things to answer this question is that I find that when I actually ask, instead of just saying generate interview questions for this role, I say interview competency-based interview questions for this role. I get a much better response because those are all of the ones about, tell me a time when this happened, how did you deal with it? Or explain when you hit this roadblock in your previous position, how did you deal with it? But what a lot of people do when they use generative AI is they go and type in a prompt, it pulls up all of the results, and then that's it. They copy and paste it and they go. But if you actually generate the questions and then you actually type into whatever tool you're using what would be good answers to these questions it actually retypes the questions and it gives you the answers so especially from like if you're asking technical questions like i mean what technical questions would we ask a megatronic engineer i mean let's face it so you could get the questions going and you could get the answers which i think will help and you can actually also instead of just asking for interview questions i actually use it to ask for pre-screening questions so do you have pre-screening questions that I could ask this person before on the phone before I'm with them? What I like about this is it's also another advice that I give all the time on generative AI. Basically, you shouldn't just post a prompt, get the result and use the result, but you should build on top of this. So maybe you start by asking a list of questions. Uh, you get the questions. What would be good replies to those questions? And then you can iterate on this as well. Can you get even better questions or what would be biased in those questions or is there a way to, and you can build and build and build, iterate. And again, at the end, you have an even better result than what you would have done yourself. Absolutely. 
And that's what I keep saying to people is don't just copy and paste the result and then go and fix it yourself. Keep prompting until you're happier with that this is the best set of results that generative AI can come up with. And then you can copy and paste it. Another good one is to say, so there was a really good question. I've gone back and I've said, expand on question two and give me three alternative ways of asking this question. Because sometimes you do ask a question, you're not really happy with the answer, but you want to ask it and rephrase it to hopefully get a better answer. And that also works really well. So again, it's about playing. It's about giving generative AR the time to think more about giving it better prompts. Mm-hmm. There's another, was it last week, I shared a list of, uh, of Boolean strings of prompts to generate Boolean strings. So there was like a, about 100 uh, in a document on LinkedIn. It was quite popular. And I feel like a lot of people know about Boolean strings, know they can be useful, don't really use them on a daily basis because it's a lot of mental workload to do. Did you have any success using generative AI to build Boolean strings? How would you do it? And I asking the question, but also not a reply because I can see your prompts. (laughs) You know what? I'm actually really glad that you asked this question. I couldn't have prompted it better. So in January, when I came back from leave and everyone was talking about ChatGPT, obviously, I think everyone's first reaction is, oh my word, am I going to be out of a job? So I started playing around with it. And as a talent sourcing trainer, one of the things that I trained is how to write Boolean and how to x-ray into platforms. So I went and I typed in a a request of, please write a Boolean search string to find a data scientist in London, et cetera, et cetera. And it couldn't do it. ChatGPT couldn't do it. Never mind like x-raying into other platforms and trying to x-ray into GitHub or Stack or Reddit or things like that. So I thought, okay, cool, I'm safe. Then it got to about April, May, and I thought, okay, well, I'm doing all this research on ChatGPT. I'm putting this workshop together. Obviously, I need to cover Boolean. And I went and I typed it, and I could do it. And I was like, (laughs) oh, my word, you have learned so well in the last couple of months. And when I say I could do it, I, I use it very loosely. It could do it relatively well. It wasn't a great Boolean string. It didn't give me enough synonyms. It put in ands. We shouldn't be using ands on search engines. But correcting it was actually quite easy. So one of the best ways I use it to write Boolean is to say, you know, let's go back to our Megatronic engineer. I would put in a, a list and say, what other job titles could a Megatronic engineer have? And when it comes back with the list, I normally try and you know, keep that to five, give me five examples. If you actually don't, a lot of people would just copy and paste that list and then go and put it into their search string. You can actually say to the generative AR, please put this into an or statement for me. And if it doesn't, you know, include the speech marks around the full job title, you can ask it to do that, or you could ask it to remove them. You could ask it to remove certain words. So for me, it helps to give synonyms for each of the search parameters when writing a Boolean. So like an MBA, it could give me the synonyms for an MBA. How else could this be written on someone's profile? You know, what other words could they use for Java? You know, those kind of things. As opposed to doing the end-to-end, I can write Boolean solution. And I'm not saying it's not going to get there, but I still can breathe a sigh of relief and sleep at night that my job is pretty safe for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, that's back to what we were saying earlier. You want to do a first prompt and then build on top of this and then build, et cetera, et cetera. So you first ask what would be similar job titles and then can you put this into an or Boolean strings and blah, 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 and build on top of this so you can keep control instead of trying to do it one shot and just copy and paste it a super long prompt, which is much more unlikely to give good results. Yeah. Okay, so that would be my learning with uh, Boolean strings as well. Uh, And then they have to, what's interesting, another way to do it as well, 
as you say, some Boolean strings will work on certain sites or it will work differently everywhere. What's good is to use a list of examples and then you use those examples and say, okay, I'm doing a search on LinkedIn. Here are LinkedIn, you can use the uh, URLs to generate searches. So you say, okay, here's a few URLs. Here's how they're built. Now, can you create a URL for this search, basically? Uh, and that's that's useful as well, just teaching the AI. Absolutely. And, and another good way that I've actually used it for Boolean is if I am, and I've been just finished a project in Germany, um, looking for, it was product managers, and I could actually get the German synonyms for product managers mm-hmm. um, and use that to put into a Boolean searching as opposed to having to go individually into Google Translate and try and figure it out. It was actually very quick to just copy and paste the entire Boolean search string and say, please um, translate this into German. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a good one. We do a lot of stuff in, in French and English, both in for our product clients. And so we do translations all the time. And now I'm mostly using ChatGPT to do those translations. So. And so they must be good then. That's interesting. They're pretty good. And then it's also, uh, I even what's strange is I'm, so I'm a French native, yeah. uh, but I most of the time use it to translate from English to French and then revamp a bit the French so that it's more natural. That's so interesting. I had an, a, another client contact me last week and they have got a really big team of recruiters. It's a global company. And they said, you know, Vanessa, unfortunately, you know, 30% of our workforce is based in France. They, they want to learn in French. And I said, well, that's a problem because my online academy is all in English. You know, it's pre-recorded videos. So I actually found a very cool AR tool that I can put the my videos into this tool. And what it does is I speak in English and it pops up with French subtitles. No way. In real time? How cool is that? Pretty much in real time. And, and it was just a free version. So I put in a video that was, I think, three minutes. And that was about the extent of what I could use for free. And it popped up with the results, with the, the French subtitles. And I was actually sent it off to them to see whether, you know, what's the French like? Is this acceptable? Because then all I need to do is to, it's going to be a bit of a process, you know, drop all of my training videos through the tool and um, get the French subtitles. Yeah. This is super helpful, like uh, sliding. Uh, summarizing documents as well. That's one of the use cases that you cover in your in your list of prompts. So there's actually a fantastic plugin on ChatGPT4 called Link Reader. So if you go to the plugin store, you can install three plugins at a time. And one of my favorites is Link Reader. And it's great because then you can just put the URL link in and say, summarize this article for me in 200 words. And literally it will give you the I call it the Reader's Digest condensed version of <laughs> of whatever you are trying to, especially if it's like an essay or a you know, very long document. Got it. I'll check this out. What other plugins do you use? Uh, well, obviously, because I spent a lot of time living in London in the UK, I'm obsessed with the weather. So there's a nice weather one. <laughs> so you can find out. And that's nice because when you use ChatGPT 3.5, often the response is, um, as an AI language model, I cannot go further back than September 2021. But if you use a plugin, on ChatGPT4, and I always say to type in, what is the weather in Paris today? It tells me exactly what is the temperature, you know, wind direction, all of those things. That's what I've been using. There's another one called Kayak, which is great for travel. So I did a test of, I need to fly to New York tomorrow. What flights are there available to me? Um, what are the costs? And then it puts you in touch directly with where you can book the flights. Uh, what other ones? Oh, there's another one called Prompt Perfect which you put in, which helps to perfect your prompt um, to bring up the best information. So, yeah, it's a good reason to pay for it, I suppose. Um, I mainly paid for it 
And then I discovered the plugins, to be honest, because uh, delivering these workshops all over the world on AI, I I needed to make sure I wasn't bombed out, you know, in the middle of a workshop. That would be a bit embarrassing. So I decided to pay for it. But I still actually revert back to 2.5 a lot because um, it's actually quicker and you don't have a limit, you know. Yeah. True. So I was checking in the meantime for Link Reader. I couldn't find it. So I wonder if they changed the names. So Link Link Readers and the plugin. Yeah, it's not there anymore. But I, I search online and it it seems to be the right exact right name. But uh, maybe they I don't know. Maybe it's on pause. So we'll ch check this out anyway. So yeah, if you cannot find it, if you're listening to this, you can find it. Maybe it's back. If you cannot find it, well, uh, you'll like me then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sure. Th thanks for letting me know. I'm running another workshop tonight to yeah. America. I must check that. <laughs> All right. So we discussed a lot about translation, about summarizing. That's something they cover as well. The final piece that you cover in your prompt list is outreach messages. And that's also obviously something we do a lot at Hire Suite because, again, we our product is used to reach out to candidates, either like past active candidates near to them or passive candidates. Uh, new call candidates. So we've been a lot into cold outreach. So that's a very interesting topic to me. How have you been using it so far for cold outreach? So I've been using it with, you know, launching my online academy and sending emails to my database about, you know, the different courses. But again, no one speaks and sounds like ChatGPT. So I have to really heavily go and change it. Uh, you know, I found that there's a lot of unnecessary information. It doesn't use enough emojis. I talk with emojis, GIFs and memes. It's like my first language. So I need to go and change it. So it gives me like the basics because often, you know, you forget things. Like an example that I did was prepare an email to people attending my AR workshop. What are some of the things that they would need to know? And I wouldn't have thought to say, you know, there's a camera on policy. Please keep your cameras on. It'll be really great to see you. Or I for would have forgotten to say there's notes at the end of the workshop. And it had remembered all of that for me. So before I sent it, I could actually add all of that into my existing email. So it's not perfect. I'm a huge believer in personalization when you're reaching out to passive talent. I don't think that people realize how important this is when it comes to getting a response from passive talent. So I don't think that you it's a cut and paste job that you can just get the person's name right. But I'm actually using it quite a bit, you know, working as a solopreneur as a my right-hand person. So I often get lists of people attending an AR workshop and I've got a name and an email address, copying and pasting that list, putting it into chat GPT and saying, separate the email addresses is a lot longer than me going in, a lot quicker than me going to do that myself. And then I can just throw them all into a calendar invite. So you've got to think of it more as like your admin assistant also waiting just to help you not waste too much time on admin. Another thing when writing uh, messages is you, especially if you use an existing list, you'll get first names formatted in lots of different ways. Yes. Some will be all capital letters, some will be uh, with emojis and stuff. So you can just say, okay, here's a list of first names. Can you just clean it, remove any unnecessary emoji? And then you can use this to copy and paste and, and reach out. Final question. When we do sourcing, when we engage with candidates or with the prospects for to sell HireSuite, we use a lot of spreadsheets, obviously. I'm not sure a lot of uh, recruiters, sourcers, and salespeople use, <laughs> still use a lot of spreadsheets to manage their data. Yes. Uh, have you used the um, Google spreadsheet extension? It's called ChatGPT or GPE for Google Sheets and Documents, I think. Have you used it? And uh, what were your favorite use cases with it, if so? 
interesting question. So I haven't used it for Google Sheets, but I've used it for Google Slides. And that was incredible because what you could do there is it said um, you can take a piece of text. So I took a piece of text, a, a blog that I'd written, dropped it into Google Slides and chose a kind of format of what a presentation would look like, how many slides I wanted. And it actually took that information, divided it between the seven slides I think I had chosen, put it into bullet points, and then came out with an amazing presentation at the end. So I think that, you know, Google Sheets it would be amazing. It would be interesting to see what it, what it can do because I was blown away because Google Slides did all of that in literally, I think, two minutes. So for me, someone who doesn't really work with spreadsheets but works more with training decks and PowerPoint presentations and Google Slides, it's unbelievable. It is going to really save us a lot of time. Yeah, it is. And, and spreadsheets have used it the same way. Uh, you have a list of first names that you need to clean and put all in the same format. You can do this. Sometimes you'll get, so I'm sure you get this as well. You get a list of people who attended, attended one of your workshops yeah. and you'll get their location, but in all types of different formatting again. So some will be a city, some will be just a country, some will be a state. metropolitan area, state, exactly. And you can say, okay, take that information and give me the most likely country for that information. And then you get everybody just with their countries. So that's very useful to sort through the data, uh, prepare the data, so it's much easier for you to then engage with the people and be more efficient. Okay, that's a great one. I'm, I'm going to go and try that. Yeah, I, I just haven't, uh, haven't uh, spreadsheets and numbers and things like that are not always my strong point, so I've probably shied away from it. I'm much more a visual slides kind of person. But, but yeah, again, it's a good way to just uh, do more even write, uh, write Google spreadsheet functions that you couldn't write yourself, but just ask it to, to create it. And yeah. then because you see it, you understand what's happening behind and you can learn doing this as well. Thanks a lot, Vanessa. That will be all for today. We managed to cover everything. So thanks a lot. It was a good training session. So where can we know more and follow you? Would that be on LinkedIn? You have a website as well. Anyway, um, LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm new to TikTok. I'm new to YouTube. I'm enjoying both of those platforms. My website is academy.vanessaroth.com. So yeah, get in touch. I'd love to get your feedback. And Robin, thank you for your time. I've been wanting to be a guest for a long time and this has been great. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, it was great. And uh, and yeah, feel free to send us messages on. So I would be only on LinkedIn, but uh, again, Vanessa's on. Is there a messaging on TikTok? Can you message people on TikTok? You can. You can leave a, you can leave a comment. Yeah, maybe not a direct message. Yeah. So leave comments on, on Vanessa's TikToks. And I'll also post the link to all the prompts we discussed today. I'll also post the link to my previous webinar on sourcing and a few things. So Yes, listen to that one, guys. That was a great webinar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Vanessa. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Robin. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Robin. Most of our listeners come from word of mouth. So thanks a lot for your support. And if you enjoy the players, please keep on sharing it with your team and friends. Stay tuned for the next episode. And if you can't wait, follow me on LinkedIn for more content on recruiting. Talk to you next week.